in this hour that we live in. So we've been going through these, um, doing, through the Ten Commandments. We've been doing this uh, series. And a couple weeks off from various things, but we're going to get back to it today. So Scripture says, Exodus 20 and 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. Pretty simple, huh? At least it seems like it's simple at face value anyway. So thou shalt not commit adultery. So you may be seated. We're going to jump into this today. We done had a word of prayer. And so we're going to jump into this today. The Ten Commandments are just simply, let me go through them again. Is no other gods before God. No graven images. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not lie. Do not covet. Pretty uh, cut and dry, but it seems like it is not always cut and dry. But the Ten Commandments are, they're there in the Bible because God, He's interested in us being right with each other and also with God. And this is the purpose of the Ten Commandments. And, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me a second. I like the sounds of kids downstairs. It's a perfectly fine, right? But God gave us the commandments. The first four uh, deal with our relationship with God, the last six deal with our relationship towards mankind, towards each other. And that's the whole purpose of it. And today we're going to delve into the, the seventh commandment. I'm once I get through these, probably about the end of November, and then we're going to jump into a Christmas series like we usually do. But um, this is so important for this time that we're living in. But today we're going to be talking about you just want to condense it into one simple word, it's called cheating. So, let me see if Jenkins got this for me here. That is not it, right? So we'll just leave it at that. How about that? I don't see no title up there. That's a work in progress. But anyway, a guy by the name of Jeremy Gold. I'm actually reading his book right now. It's called Let's Be Honest, Living a Life of Radical Biblical Integrity. He opens his book up with this story that I don't think I had ever heard, but thought it was very unique. He said this. He said, at $89,500, it was an astounding price for a Bible. It was auctioned online in 2008. It's a copy of the Baker Lucas Bible, which was purchased um, at a previous time. But, you know, I... I pay a lot of, for my Bibles. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, I'm a pastor, and, and uh, I've got, I mean, you may think I'm kind of a geek with this, but I collect Bibles somewhat. And uh, so this particular Bible is called an Apostolic Study Bible. I gave, or my wife gave, right at $100 for it. And I've got a new one I'm, I'm looking at. It's, it's out of print right now, waiting for it to get printed again. It's about 200 And uh, it's called the Premier Bible. But somebody says, Why you, what do you want to do that for? Well, if they can buy $1,000 golf clubs and, 
and all this other stuff, I, I, I'm going to put a lot of money in, into the trade of what I'm doing. So it's important. But to pay $89,500 for a Bible, that's crazy. But this Bible was, it was auctioned for that amount. And I'm sure the person who um, sold this Bible, they probably smiled all the way back to the bank. In fact, they've sold a Bible for that price. But as interesting as the dollar amount may be, the backstory leading up to the purchase of this Bible is even more important and more interesting. The story began in the 17th century, 1631 to be the exact date. That year, printers Robert Barker and Martin Lucas published a reprint of the popular King James Bible. And while that the Bible has joined the ranks of some of the best-known translations of scriptures, such as at that time breaches, the Wycliffe, the Anglo-Saxon, um, they don't call it the Barker Lucas Bible, but instead they call it the Wicked Bible. It's called the Wicked Bible. Almost four centuries later, this version of Scripture is highly sought, but it's not for, I mean, this Bible itself, but it's not sought for its reputation. It, nickname comes from the book's rendering of the text that I have behind me, Exodus 20 and 14 and the Ten Commandments, where it says, this says, the original text, thou shalt not commit adultery. It says, thou shalt commit adultery. That's how they reprinted, how they printed this in their Bible, and thus that's how it got its name, the Wicked Bible. And when it was placed on the auction, it brought a large price, but its cost was even higher because the life of each of these printers was never the same once they printed it. Their prominence gave, gave way to chaos and ruin, and a lot of folk horror holds that Barker and Lucas, they lost their printing license. They were fined some exuberant amount of money and all the copies of their work were destroyed. Only a handful that somehow mysteriously survived. And those that you can find, it is a collector edition, which probably all need to be destroyed again. But somebody found one for $89,000 and bought it. I would not buy that Bible for $5, I don't believe. Unless I could get $90,000, that might change it. But no, I wouldn't want nobody to get that. Because in our, in our time, it would seem that a lot of people must be reading this version of the Bible, seeing that divorce rate is so high in America. So Jana was nine, ten years old. She was six or seven. She stepped out of that Sunday school room. She made this statement. She said, I'm going to marry that Daniel Orton someday, whether he likes it or not. It was a very cute little girl in a can-can dress, Sister Heather. And saying something about me that was very cute and very flattering to me at that time. And the older she got and the older I got, her beauty never went away. And we found ourselves married. And that cute little girl and that relationship it grew into something beautiful for us and here after over 28 years of marriage here we are it has not all been easy I would tell you a lie if I said 28 years plus of marriage with my beautiful bride downstairs was easy I would tell you it's not all been easy it's been some hard days 
It's been some tough days. There's been some days that you just want to run, you want to punch, you want to scream. Now, we've never, we've done some screaming, we've never, never done no punching or nothing, but if we were rewriting our vows today, they might would sound something like this. I will be faithful to you and love you when your breath stinks. I'll be faithful to you and love you when you leave your size 13 shoes laying all over the house. I'll be faithful to you and love you when our son and our daughters don't like each other and they don't like us. I'll be faithful to you and love you even if Alzheimer steals your mother's um, mind and you lose your parents or even if Alzheimer steals your mind, I still will love you. I'll be faithful to you and love you even if someone younger and richer tries to steal you away from me. I will still love you. If marriage were just one lifelong crush and two young sweethearts together, there would be no need for marriage vows. There would be no need for the commandment that I have here behind me that thou shalt not commit adultery. But adultery is, it is one of the biggest suspects when a marriage looks like it's uh, going to fall apart. But adultery was not God's ideal. It was our ideal. Mankind's, that is. God's ideal was found way back in the very beginning of the Bible. Our very first chapters in Genesis. It's found there. And when it was just God, Adam, and the animals. It seemed like everybody around Adam had a extra person except for Adam. His brother L.J. Harry wrote in his book, Ten Words, which a lot of this stuff I've been talking about uh, in this series is coming from. He said, it wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been single for long. God helped him look for Adam's perfect helper. Giraffe? Nah, it's too tall. Turtle? Nope, it's too small. Rhino? Nope, let's go to the next one. Instead, God needed Eve, and God caused Adam to sleep, a very deep sleep. And while Adam slept, God formed a woman from man for him. And when he awoke, Adam was totally and completely amazed at what he saw. And many said, he, the reason she's named woman, he said, whoa, man. I don't know if that's so or not, but that's what some say. Um, but by the power invested in God himself, God just said, okay, Adam and Eve, you're now husband and you're now wife. And with one act, God created the most powerful institute on the face of the earth. It's called the marriage. It's called the family. And the first marriage was God's perfect design. And it's still the perfect design now. One man plus one woman for life. And as a wonderful wedding gift, God gave Adam and Eve their sexuality to enjoy within the safety of their marriage to each other and to each other only. That was not man's ideal, but that was God's ideal. And God knows, He knows our weakness. And He knows we often want what we shouldn't want. A lot of times we want what we can't have and we have things, but we still want something else. That just seems to be us. But that is called perversity. And it sounds fitting for, for us. If Adam and Eve had eaten of the, hadn't eaten of the forbidden fruit, we wouldn't have to worry about this seventh commandment. But since they did, 
God gave us the seventh commandment to let us know that we must be faithful to the one that we're married to. But not everyone had this same high views of marriage as what God had. There were some very well-known rabbis in Jesus' Jesus's day that argued over marriage. Their names were Hillel and Shemei. Hillel taught that the marriage covenant was very fragile. It could be broken at any time for nearly any reason. And according to his writings, Hillel taught that a husband could divorce his wife if she spoiled his supper by putting too much salt in it. It would be a lot of us not married today, right? And if she went to the public with her head uncovered, if she spoke disrespectfully to her of his parents in his presence, if she was a brawling woman and the neighbors could hear her argue with him. Another rabbi named Akivia came along later and taught that a husband could divorce his wife if they found another woman more attractive than her. These two made the marriage covenant as fragile as China and a, and a bull shop, you know, as those saying is. But there was another rabbi, and in their day, the one I mentioned, Shammai, he taught that a husband could only divorce his wife if she was unfaithful to him. All this was based on a passage from Deuteronomy. It said, when a man takes a wife and marries her, it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he's found some uncleanness to her. He writes her a certificate of divorce, puts, her in, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house. When she has departed from her, his house, goes and becomes another man's wife. If the later husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house, or if the later husband dies who took her as his wife, then the former husband who's divorced her must not take her back to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God is giving you an inheritance. That's found in Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. Those who read that, uh, write your scriptures down. But we see Jesus. As soon as Jesus left the carpenter's shop, he began his ministry at the age of 30. Now all of a sudden, this new rabbi, young rabbi, has come on the scene. And Sister Janet, everybody wanted to test him constantly with the word of God. And they would throw questions at him. And what would this new rabbi Jesus teach about marriage and adultery? And Jesus surprised those that were looking for a loophole. When Jesus done something they did not expect that day, he raised the bar of what it means to have marital faithfulness. When it came to marriage and adultery, Jesus took that bar uh, and ra rose up a little higher. Just like the uh, guys who use the pose to jump over the bar, they keep raising it up. Jesus said, let me set it high for you, okay? The Pharisees, they were the ultra-religious group of people. They had the bar set so low, such a low level. They set the bar of sexual purity at do not commit adultery. And they believed as long as they could get over that bar, they, they, they could uh, just keep keeping themselves pure. That was good enough. As long as I don't commit adultery. I actually don't take that act. I don't actually go and be with another person that's not my, my marital relation. Then I'm not committing adultery. They could look at, and lust all day long. But as long as they didn't act on it, they were pure. And, and again, those who 
may not be married or you're not planning to ever be married again, this is important to you today. So don't check out on me, all right? And But Jesus, he walked up to where that bar was. And he said, let me tell you what. Let me bring this up just a little bit higher for you. Yeah, we're not supposed to commit adultery, but listen to this. He said, you've heard that it was said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whosoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Matthew 5, 27, 28. Jesus set this bar not just at our actions, Sister Chastity. He said, but I want you to check your appetite too. I don't want you just to think, oh, just because I'm acting on this. But if your appetite is not right, there's something that needs to be fixed in the inside. Because adultery doesn't begin with the act. It begins with the appetite. It doesn't begin with the act. It begins with the appetite. And Jesus wasn't real impressed with Hillel or Achivia's law, their low view of marriage because God designed marriage as a beautiful, lifelong covenant between one man and one woman. Now, I know, I personally believe, now this is not a study of whether you have divorce or not or anything like that, but my personal opinion, I think that there are places that allow somebody to get out of that covenant and to be remarried again. And that's a whole other subject. So don't think I'm just saying, oh, if, you've, if you're in your first, second, third marriage, you're doomed. I'm not saying that today by no means, okay? I'm just saying I think God does give us a means to for that. But before we ever get there, we've got to understand how important this is. Because some might be thinking again, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not married. Why, why do I need, need this today? Because we are sexual beings, even if we're not married. And this is one of society's greatest temptations and downfalls, and even more so in this hour that we're living in right now. And these principles still apply to the single because fornication falls in that same rank and and what honestly as i got to look and always anytime i'm talking about marriage i start looking for statistics on divorce rates do you know divorce rates actually down right now you know why people's not getting married they just live together no sense of getting married we'll just live together and but still that crosses these sexual bounds that i'm talking about today because it's married and marriage adultery which is Sexual relations with somebody you're not married to is a sin. And outside of that, it's called fornication. And that's sexual relations outside of marriage if you're not married. So that becomes sin. But for a lack of, uh, of people's understanding of the Word of God, this is where we find ourselves. And, but here's the thing. We have, we have comedians making jokes. Marriage is, oh, it's not a lifelong sin. It's a, or, or it's, a, it's, it's a life. You know, they're saying, oh, it's just a lifelong sentence if you get married. No, it's not a lifelong sentence. It's a covenant that we're supposed to make. Because honestly, husbands, she's not your old lady. She's your wife. Wives need to realize he's not your old man. He's your husband. It's a marriage institute. Your, your friends make joke with you. Oh, if you're married and they're not. Oh, it's just the old ball and chain. But as Christians, we need to uphold marriage as a beautiful, as God designed it to be. And it was one of the, the original covenants ever made in mankind is at the very beginning when he put man and woman together. And when God was looking for a way to relate to us, 
of how he looks at us and his relationship with us, he chose this thing called marriage. And all through the Old Testament, he referred to courting and marrying the love of his life, which at that time was Israel. He loved Israel. We see the Bible say that he loved Israel. He provided for her. He protected her. He met all her needs and, and most all of her wants. He took care of her. God fought for Israel, just like a man should do for his wife. God defended her. He led her. He loved her. And, but she cheated on him. She committed adultery by loving other gods. She worshipped so many other gods, even gods whose worship demands, uh, even gods whose worship demanded child sacrifice. We think, how's that to relate to where we are now? Because we're living in a time right now when this world is demanding child sacrifice for us. No, we're not burning them on stakes, but we're killing them before they ever come out of the belly. We're not, and if we're not doing that, we're we're giving them over to things that will destroy their life. Gaming systems and phones are destroying our children. It's destroying marriages. It's destroying lives. All of this is designed to destroy the, the kids of this world. And the devil doesn't want any more children born because if that child is born, it may serve God. So let's go ahead and kill it in the womb. What he doesn't understand, well, if you kill that baby in the, in the womb, it's going to go to heaven anyway. And that's not an excuse for you to kill your baby. I don't want him to be in this world. No. And again, we're not talking about uh, uh, abortion today, but this is all part of this. And this is one reason the homosexual agenda is so, uh, I'll say maybe more about that in a second, but a man and man and a woman and woman can't have children. God created marriage for, for us to have children. He said be fruitful and go multiply. But these gods, they were designed by man's broken mind and made by man's sinful hand. And God reached for Israel, but she refused. He sent prophets, one after another, to try to woo them back, but they refused. And after one failed attempt after another to draw Israel back to God, the book of Jeremiah, the prophet, he records the dark day when God wrote Israel a certificate of divorce and sent her away. Basically, he said, if she wants me to leave her alone, I will leave her alone. I said, he said after this, then all these things, he said, return to me. But she didn't return. And he goes on to say, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Then I saw that for all the causes which for a backsliding, Israel committed adultery. I put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. Jeremiah 3, 7 through 8. See, God wanted to be in a marriage covenant with his people. But they didn't want to be in covenant with him. They were corrupt. The priests were corrupt. Righteousness was very rare and it is now still. The prophets near the end of the Old Testament are filled with outlandish word pictures of, of all kinds of different things of showing that unfaithful Israel kept stepping out of their faithfulness with God. This is mankind. This is what the devil pushes for us because he understands that first institute of marriage, how important it was. But after numerous failed attempts at re reconciling, God gave Israel what he wanted. She wanted out, God let her go. But that wasn't what God wanted. Maybe God gave us this seventh commandment not just because adultery breaks his law, but because adultery breaks his heart. Our world 
has waged war on marriage we're in right now. And also our sexual purity. But we as God's people, we should fight back. We should live to have a happy and holy marriage. Happy and holy marriages aren't happy just because they clear that lowest bar of, oh, I'm not having sexual relations with somebody else. Happy holy marriages are because the husband and wife keep their thoughts and their desires holy. Now understand that we live in a time we may not hear things like this, but we need to hear more like this. We need to understand the importance of what marriage is. Our children need to be taught the importance that, listen, you need to strive to find somebody and live with them all your life. Do your best. Try your best to do that. I know sometimes that don't always happen that way. But it's not enough to ask, how far can I go with someone outside of marriage and still feel like I've cleared that bar? So today, if you're asking if you're married or planning to get married, well, can I get married and then flirt with somebody? Is pornography really adultery? What, what if my wife's okay or my spouse is okay with me taking a colleague on date? If that's the case, your marriage is crashing into adultery. And we can laugh at that, but this happens. We have open marriages nowadays that says, oh, you, you date this one and you date that one. That's not okay. That's not biblical. That's what's destroying our nation. Is the, because it breaks down the family institute. The original covenant that was ever made before God made a covenant with man and, and uh, him and man, he made a covenant between a man and a woman to be an example of what it's supposed to be like between man and God. And adultery, what adultery is, it's a willful sexual relationship or the thought of a willful sexual relationship with someone other than your spouse. And keeping a marriage happy and holy, it's not easy. Alright? Our world is sexually driven. And let me tell you what. It's going to be a cold day in hell before man and women is not tempted sexually. Okay? And there's some things that we just can't unsee, alright? If a woman is standing on the sidewalk wearing next to nothing, you can't help but see her or him. That's life. I remember the first time we went to Texas, Sister Cheryl said, we, let's make a little detour and let's kind of go through uh, New Orleans. We've we never been, and then she wanted to go, let's go through New Orleans. So we made this little side trip. It was about an hour out of the way before we went to Brother White's. And that day, us, it was just us. We went down, went down on Bourbon Street, went and ate. Food was good. We was walking around. And all of a sudden, I'm walking out through there, and here's this lady. She's in this top and, and had these boots on come up about here. And the next thing I know, whoop. Top comes flying up. And there, thank goodness, turning back to me, she's standing in there in her boots up to here in her red underwear, only on the bottom. And as I'm telling you that, I still see that. You can't unsee some things, all right? I thank God that I'm almost 51 and I wasn't raised in a generation that has cell phones. 
Because as a young man, I remember any, you know, my mom and dad was in church. And we didn't have pornographic stuff in our house whatsoever, but my uncle did. So anytime I was there, we'd find it. We'd find it on the side of the road, the magazines. And stuff I seen then, I still see. Right? But that's life. But if you're driving down the road and you see that, that's not wrong, okay? But when you look in the mirrors after you drive away, or you drive around the block to get a second look, then that's lust. This is what Jesus was saying. Jesus points to that bar above where it used to be and says, lust is with your eyes already adultery is in your heart. When you're lusting. And married people say it uh, um, just kind of with a grin. But it's not true today. Just because I'm on a diet doesn't mean I can't look at the menu. Listen, buddy. Honey, sweetie. If you're married, you have one menu. That's your spouse. It's just all it is to it. We made our choice. We exchanged our vows. And there is no more menu. It's your spouse. And there's no sending it back and ordering a younger, prettier, richer, taller, or shorter. That's what you chose. More hair, brother Dave. <laughs> More hair. There you go. Less gray, right? <laughs> but I'm thankful that Jesus rejoices in his covenant with us. And we should rejoice in our covenant with our spouse. And if she is not your wife, don't flirt with her. If he's not your husband, don't be alone with him. Here, here you go. Premarital, extramarital, polygamous, polymorous relationships are out of bounds for Christians. Amen. Scriptures cause sexual sin fornication. It's a loaded word that comes from the Greek word pornia, from which we get our word pornography. And if Jesus was alive today, he would preach loud against pornography because it can be just as damaging to a marriage as a physical extramarital relationship. I know marriages right now. I'll be honest, they're not in this one. I haven't, I haven't dealt with this in a marriage situation. I have with kids, you know, young people. But I know marriages right now that they've had to go through some intense um, therapy and counseling because most times, specifically, it's the husband that is addicted to pornography. And it's hard on a marriage. You cannot unsee the images or videos that you see online or on photo or whatever. And the thing that happens... When you see these things, you soon you will lose respect for the opposite sex and yourself. And, and we begin to see other people as just objects to satisfy our sexual appetite rather than the created image of God for what God created that person to be to us. And it, see, here's the thing. Adultery is deceptive. It may appear alluring. It may appear very exciting, but it's deadly. Adultery is a sin against everyone. Everyone around you suffers from adultery. It's a sin against God. Adultery, it strikes at the heart of God because it strikes at the heart of the marriage covenant God blessed between a man and between a woman. 
He said, Matthew 19, 6, Therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And when God joins a man and woman together in holy matrimony, another man or woman should not break up that marriage from without through adultery or somebody else from within trying to break it up. Apostle Paul tells us how to have a happy and holy marriage in Ephesians 5 when he writes, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Our marriage commitment ought to reflect the commitment Jesus showed the church. Now, we may not believe this, but our marriage and how much we love our spouse is designed to be a walking, living uh, pamphlet, brochure, to advertise to the world how much God loves us. Somebody ought to be able to look at a Christian godly marriage and say, that's just different from everybody else. And realize, what's different about them than all these other marriages? They ought to be able to look at that and say, that's God's design, and that's how God loves us. Number one, adultery is a sin against God. And it goes without saying, but adultery is a sin against your spouse. Adultery is a major sting against our spouse. And adultery, most of the time, many times, will strike a blow to a marriage that ends it in a very bitter divorce because it erodes the foundation of what a happy, holy marriage is supposed to be built on, which is what? Anybody know? Trust. Trust. And even if they reconcile, adultery causes the wife to wonder why her husband isn't home yet. It, it causes the husband to wonder... Well, who's she texting? Right? Now, listen, I'm just being real to where we are today. We may not think it applies to everybody, but listen to me. Adultery destroys trust, and then it destroys the marriage. Adultery is cruel. Adultery is a sin against our own self. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Now that, that applies adultery and fornication, okay? Whether, you know, again, adultery is if you're having sexual relations outside of marriage. Fornication is if you're having sexual relations and you're not married. Alright? Adultery doesn't just hurt uh, the wife and the spouse separately, but it hurts us. You will never be the same. You'll never have the same innocence. Even if your spouse forgives you, from that day that the adultery is committed to the day that Jesus comes, the devil will have fire to remind you of what you did long after you repented, long after God's already forgiven you. You're still going to have that on you and the devil is going to try his best. People, God will forget it, but people don't and the devil don't. That's why we've got to do everything we can. God, he forgets our sins. When we repent. But the devil don't forget it. And he makes it his mission to make sure you don't forget it either. And adultery is a sin against the family. One of the greatest gifts that we can give our children is the safety of knowing mom and dad will always be together. Always. 
And adultery rips that safety at the very seams. And we have kids nowadays that's been through these bitter divorces and these things, and you can tell why, why are they in such turmoil? Why are they dealing with Because nothing in their life has ever been so stable. And that's why we need, that's why the devil's fighting the American homes, homes across the world, trying to destroy families, relationships, because that family was the original institute, and that's why it's under attack so bad. And the main reason, one of the main reasons for marriage is procreation. God created marriage to create children. That's why He created marriage. And one of the many reasons, that is one of the many reasons homosexuality and same-sex marriages are outside the blessings of God. There is no way for a homosexual couple to biologically produce children. No way. And us guys, the greatest gift we can give our children is to love our wife. The greatest gift a mother can give to their children is to love the husband. Amen. Children need the safety. They need to know mom and dad love each other and have only eyes and feelings for each other. And it's going to be that way. And adultery, it just goes against the... It's a sin against society. Before God created the church, He created family. Families make society. And adultery destroys families and it ultimately destroys our society. It is destroying America right now. Amen. Why is there so much crime in America? Why is there so much junk going on in this world? Because the family has been destroyed. Because you got the mama and daddy taking their kids to church and they see a mom and dad's at home praying together and, and being together. That don't happen. I want my kids. I want my grandkids. I want the kids of this church to live in a society where marriage between one man and one woman for life is still sacred and faithfulness is still a virtue. Nothing good comes from adultery. No wonder God told Moses to tell his people, thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, maybe, maybe you've done been there and you're your result of it and breaking up your mom and dad's family. Or maybe you're on either side of it. Thankful we have a God that loves us. He's just and faithful to forgive our sins. And we can pick up from where we are and go forward. And this is, this is where it goes to all of us here today. So what, what can we do because they have these safeguards? How can I do more than just keep from cheating? It's not God's will for us to barely stay married. So how do we keep our marriages strong and keep them from the dangers of adultery? Number one, we've got to protect our marriages through daily devotion. Daily. One of the strongest things we can make in our marriage is to have a daily devotion to God. Each morning, Cheryl and I have our devotion time generally in the living room. Every day. Whether it be Monday through um, Friday, our Thursday or Saturday and Sunday, we have our devotion time. We read our Bibles. I'm usually up before her. I'll be reading my Bible before she does, and I'll usually end up going and praying before she does. Especially if it's on a Friday or a Saturday when she's going to sleep in longer than me, because I just don't sleep that long. But we find ourselves there, and so many times, and many of those times, now we just have Jake at home. He'll come in and join us, and when Bethany was there, they would come in and join us. Our 
all my kids are at the house. We'll, we'll have this time together. It's important. We don't see this no more. This makes strong marriages. This makes strong families. And if you're not comfortable praying out loud with your spouse around, turn on some worship music, instrumental music, something, so you can pray and not worry that, oh, they're going to hear what I'm saying. This is just practical, okay? And I, it, it's, it's difficult to have fantasies for somebody else while you're praying close to your spouse every day. Right? It, it's it's, it's kind of hard to, to have them fantasies about somebody else when you're praying with your spouse every day and you're reading with them. And as we draw closer to God, we're going to automatically draw closer to each other. And we've got to be careful with your relationship with members of the opposite sex. All right? It, listen, I will never, ever, 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 ever be alone with somebody of the opposite sex. Never! If you ever want to speak to me and my wife's not around and I'm in that office, I'll either the door will be open or we'll come out of that office. If I find you, one of you fine ladies on the side of the road broke down and you need to ride back to town, you can take my car and I will wait for you. Or I will go get somebody and come back. We're not going to ride a car together. I'm not giving no fuel for anything. Somebody says, that's kind of extreme, isn't it? Well, I just heard Brother Graham preach at Brother White's and he said this about he, he's in a position in the United Pentecostal Church that he sees the, all the license comes across his desk of who is, who is licensed or not licensed in the United Pentecostal Church. He said, the bad thing is, is I know a lot of these people and I see exactly why some of them are not licensed no more. And a lot of times it's an adultery situation. He said, one of my friends recently went across that desk and it was heartbreaking. And he said, I spoke to my friend and he said, I know the moment my marriage began to be destroyed. You know what he said happened? He was sitting in his office. He's a pastor of a church. He was sitting in his office. This lady come, knocked on the door, and she um, was having issues with her spouse. And she basically said, my husband don't find me attractive, blah, 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 something along that lines. And he said he told her, she, he told her just basically trying to get her away from him, just to get away, because whatever he was doing at that moment, he said, anybody with two eyes can tell that you're attractive. And he seen the look on her face, and something happened in his spirit. And from that moment is when something connected and bonded them that led to the adultery that destroyed his family. He said, and I'm telling you, I've seen the woman and kids that was left struggle to make ends meet because of what happened through adultery. I, I, I'm not going to be left in a room by myself with somebody the opposite sex of me. Because the more time you spend alone with someone, the more tempted you are to be attracted to them. But Dr. James Hughes talks about it, that if you spend, um, I don't remember how many hours it is, X amount of hours alone with the opposite sex, you will cross a line to where you both will break down and start talking and there will be a, an attraction between you. And we think that's crazy. That's, that's not Bible. That's science, okay? Everybody says, oh, that's the science of it. Well, that's science. And we might, you know, so we got to safeguard a relationship with members of the opposite sex. And if your spouse can't go with you, take somebody else with you that's the opposite sex. Don't be alone. 
especially if you find them attractive or pretty or handsome, good-looking. And your spouse may be the most beautiful thing to you in the world, and they should be, but, okay, we're human. You still see other people that you think are pretty or handsome. You've got to protect yourself. If we're traveling alone, make sure your first comments, if you're married, is about your spouse and your kids. All right? Say, you go in a barber shop and, or wherever you may get your hair fixed and maybe an opposite sex of somebody cuts your hair and you don't know them and start making make sure you comment about your kids, your wife, so they know you're married. I don't want any woman to think I'm flirting, so I want to let them know immediately, hey, I'm married. I'm happily married. And one of the most common atmospheres for adultery is work. As I just said, you know, Brother Graham told the story. So when a woman in an office shows a man admiration or a woman in an office shows attention, a man shows attention to a woman, it could be sowing seeds of adultery just like what I talked about, Brother Graham's story. Before you know it, people are attracted and don't know how to escape from the attraction. Amen. I'm almost done. Um, we've got to build boundaries around ourselves. Don't call, don't text, don't email message, anything personal to each other. I have, because of my position, I, I do text a lot of you folks a lot. Sister Cheryl has free reign on my phone. I use it. I'll show her everything I have. Uh, our passcodes are the same on our phone. There's nothing on my phone that I care for her to look at. If you're afraid for your spouse to look at something on your phone, then you need to fix your relationship because something's messed up. Do not ever share intimate details about your life, especially your sexual life, with any colleague. If you try to get something out of my, my wife about anything about us sexually, I promise you it's just not going to happen. We don't share that stuff. And you don't need to. Well, Lord, you're acting... No, I'm not. I'm telling you. I, we've been married for almost... Uh, be 29 years this next year, and there's a reason for it. We've got to keep our professional life professional and keep... And make sure that uh, we don't cross lines that we don't need to cross. We need to let our spouse know if someone, something happens. Let them know. Alright? We've got to keep our guard up. And now, dress modestly. It's not, no secret, men are stimulated by sight, okay? I'm being plain because they're plain everywhere else. It's alright. That's why modesty is a gift that we give to each other. Don't cause another, if you're a lady, don't cause another man to lust after you. If you're a guy, it don't usually happen as much that other way. Don't dress in a way, but don't comment her in such a way that's going to make her think, oh, he likes me. When we dress modestly, especially around people of opposite sex, we're not inviting them to think of us in a way that they shouldn't. Husbands, compliment your wife how beautiful she is. I cannot say that enough. Tell her how beautiful she is. If you don't, somebody will. Can't chip away from our marriage foundation by committing, commenting on how beautiful you think the opposite sex is, okay? We've got to be careful what we watch. Be careful what we watch. I'm almost done, and again, you may, we may think, well, this is... I'm not married or... No, this is important. We need this. We need to build our families back strong again. 
we got to be careful. There's an article from the Huffington Post that asks, why is TV so obsessed with extramarital relationships? It paints marital relationships as boring and predictable, but extramarital relationships as scandalous, exciting, and even dangerous. And they are right about part of that. Extramarital relationships are dangerous in every way that they can be. So we've got to be careful what we allow to influence, especially online. And the most common place for adultery is pornography on the internet and nowadays social media has caused so many marriages to fall pornography just destroys trust it brings desires that cannot be met men and women both fight this battle but when pornography is finished it frustrates the husband and wife because they can't satisfy each other and they can't trust each other so Get you some filters. Put filters on your phone, on your computer, on whatever you're streaming on. And if you're losing the battle of pornography and we think it's not real, but I know it's real, you, I'm going to tell you, honestly, the, the best way to get past it is you got to cut off whatever's feeding it and you need accountability. All right? You need somebody that, there's no, there's no shame in accountability. In fact, there should be safety. If you have somebody that's, that doesn't understand, you don't need to just get anybody. You need somebody that will not judge you, condemn you, somebody that you can look to that will help you. And it needs to be somebody of the same sex, all right? It'll help you pray and fight your battle. Let me, let me just say this. Keep our relationships strong. Spend time with each other. Do things you enjoy. Play board games. Cook together. Go on walks. Picnics. Go shopping. I don't like shopping, but I'll go with it. It helps strengthen it. Why? Because she'll go fishing with me. And sometimes she'll go hunting with me. That just strengthens it. Spend time with each other. Date one another again. And says, sure, I went on a date Friday night. This time we got to go on a date with our grandson. That made it even better. Build dates once a week, at least once a month. This is so practical, but it's destroying America. We have quit spending quality time with our spouses. And it's like we want to spend less time with them and more with someone else. In closing today, I realize, again, many are not married and think this is irrelevant to us, but it's not. Those who may not be married still have kids that need to be taught the importance of why what I've said today is important. Or you may be looking to get married. Look to get a spouse that loves God. The best way to have a good marriage, it takes two. Man and woman is one and God being the other. And let me tell you what, a relationship is not 50-50. It's 100%. Sometimes you're pulling 90 and they're pulling 10. Sometimes you're pulling 10 and they're pulling 90. Sometimes they're pulling all the load and dragging you along. And when you get frustrated that, realize that you may be the one to be getting drugged next time. But you're going to stay together. And, and why is this important to us? Because the family is being attacked in these last days. And we need strong families because when we have strong families, we have strong churches.
We have strong families. We have strong churches. And this is why a lot of our churches are struggling. Because the family is struggling. Now, I got a few more of these things. But this is, this is how we keep relations good and strong. So I'll close with prayer today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the institution of marriage. We know it is under attack. We know, God, that this nation, this world, the devil is attacking the families, wanting to destroy families because the family is the original covenant that was ever made. Even before the church, Lord, I know the church is even, it's even made in a type and shadow of that original covenant of man and woman. Help us understand the importance of the covenant between a man and a woman, Lord. Help us to bind together, Lord. And, and as a church and as a community, as a society, God, we can get back to realizing how important the family is. And we can bind together, Lord. Help us to teach our children coming up how important family is and the need of, of relationship, God. I just pray that you would help us today, God. And Lord, for many marriage, married couples here today, God, that you would help them bind their marriage together and protect it lord maybe if it's those who's i know there's some that's that's planning to be married in the future before too long and i pray that you would help them lord make sure that they're going into this realizing this is a life this should be a lifelong covenant and god i know there's some they may never uh, see marriage again in their life but help them teach those around them god oh the importance of what it is to have a strong relationship and a marriage god help us today we love you and we're thankful for your goodness. We just ask that you would bless everyone here today. We thank you in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. We'll take a break and then we'll get our afternoon service going here shortly. But thank you. to see Shy and her friend coming back. We're glad to see you guys here today. Praise the Lord. Just thankful for everybody here. So there's probably still some coffee and stuff downstairs if you'd like to go down there and um, but we'll try to get going back here another 10, 15 minutes. So God bless you.